Fire. Welcome back, Shinners, and welcome to the Shindig podcast, where we like to get under the skin of the trials community. My name is Matt Pengeli, and this is... I am Tom Hutley. And uh, on today's show, we have um, something that we've been gunning, working towards, I would say, since we started this show. Um, you got to fake it till you make it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're there. We're there. We're that professional. This is a very important show, uh, sorry, very important episode to us and something that you've all been asking for. Um, we've got the, the man behind the big brand that is Mr. Tarty Bikes and it's Adam Reed. Give it up for Adam Reed. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm Thank old, you. Very professional, like right down to the mugs and the T-shirts and the like a print on the, on the, on the wall behind you and everything. It's oh, like, yeah, there's oh, like a record. That's Headsets that... and microphones, like a mic. Simon Cowell or something, it's insane. Oh, well. If you play that back, it's just Matt getting hit in the shin a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the vinyl is, ah, ah, that, that's the jingle pressed into a vinyl. Nice. No, thank you for, for being with us, Adam. And I, I want to say, okay. I think everyone in the trials community be saying this, but I want to say a big thank you from everyone from the trials community because Tarty Bikes is like, you know, the, the, the trial shop, you know, that's like... The, the first in it the was, UK, as far as I'm aware, first it was. shop I ever heard of, uh, 15 years ago. And for everyone, that's kind of like I don't, it's your Tesco's of trials, right? It's like, but I mean, Tesco's a trial. In terms of you, just yeah. you think of it. Like I've yeah. got to go to Tesco's. I've got to go to Tarty Bikes <laughs> and get me my bits. You know, that's yeah. where it comes in. There's a the Solid Foundation. Go. Oh, there's always a fallback there. Go. Well, if Tarty haven't got it, then yeah. <laughs> But of course, this is all about sort of Tarty Bikes and we want to try and get as much information about the, the, the place as we can because I'm sure there's lots of things that, that people don't know. Um, but just to, to kick us off, let's go all the way back to the beginning, Adam. Okay. Um, we're going to a bit of a throwback and see, see what you can remember. We want to find out like what, 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 what point did you feel like, oh, I want to do a trial shop? You know, what was the, the tipping point here where you thought, let's, let's do this? Yeah, I'll go back a tiny bit further Go than on. that. Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah. So I was at uh, secondary school and I was actually at boarding school, which was hard work, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> and I was there for, we had uh, new lads come for the sixth form. So we ended up at right start of uh, low six, so that's year 12, is it now? I think it is, something like that. Anyway, yeah. I turned up on a bike and I thought, oh, that's a cool bike. You know, we had like a homemade you know, bash guard on it, like a 32 tooth chain ring, just a, like a MR sidekick frame with some suspension forks and as you do back in the day, and uh, I was like, do you want to go for a ride? Because I had my bike there at school as well. And I was like, yeah, let's go for a ride. And he rode along, and he bunny hopped on this wall, like, two foot high. And I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> and then I was, I was yeah. it, hooked on trials. And that was, that must have been 1999. 99. So that's the secondary school. Um, and then, I've been riding trials since then, basically. So, all the way through former school then mm. all the way through uni yeah um and in all of this was difficult and it was kind of the time when the internet was getting bigger and online shopping was starting and stuff like that so we had like savage did nsc and he was a cox importer at the time yeah oh, um, yes barbara wright who ran all the tech trial and the british mm. comps doing clean bikes with chris wright's son was was riding yeah um and it was like you know phone up to order some stuff wait a few days come through the post you didn't have that kind of online shopping catalogue and it was a bit harder to get stuff. And then we'd order some stuff from like the USA, like plasmatic pads and 
it's involved like threshold. So it's quite a sporadic ordering thing. You was coming from all over the place, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, would it, wouldn't it be easier if I, thinking in terms of customer, could get stuff from one place? Um, and I was living in Loughborough at the time, so it's Midlands, not far from Nottingham, yeah. at uni, and had a pretty good relationship with Supercycles, who were doing the Onza bikes at the time. So this is like 2003. Yeah. But you probably remember the, the sort of grey, greeny coloured Onza T-Pros, and there were like zillions of them everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was responsible <laughs> for building a lot of those at Christmas. Um, me and, and, and Dave Cleaver, who now runs Inspired, we started tie bikes together. And we were working at Onza Bikes, assembling bikes at the time. Um, oh, so that was a you were working at Onza? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a cool. Oh, that's yeah. a nice little insight there. Interesting. Yeah. So when we got we got a T Pro would come mm. um, in frame with a BB in and a headset fitted, and then all the parts were in other boxes. So there's a box of wheels with tires on. There's a box of free wheels, box of chains, box of crank sets, box of bar and stem, yeah. box of brake, and we had to assemble all the bikes. And we got this, we got it down to like six minutes a bike. Um, that's everything fitted, brake set up, everything. We were working like nuts because it was a piece rate. It was like 250 a bike, which we split between two of us. Okay, um, so it's so like price work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was an hourly, it was like price work, like get yeah. as many bikes done as you can. That's amazing. Exactly, yeah. We smashed out like a couple hundred bikes in like in like a month, working after oh, uni and after, wow. you know, after, after hours, yeah. which is cool. Um, we sort of said to Mike Poyser, the guy that was running on at the time, yeah chance we could buy a few bits just to sell on you know just to make a bit of money make you know pay the rent pay the rent and the bills at, at uni mm. it's like yeah you can buy a few bits if you want you know normally it's a minimum five bike first order for any dealers but you could do work in here you know just have a so we bought like a pair of pedals and a pair of handlebars and pairs of grips and a few inner tubes and a pair of maxis creepy crawler tires or something um so i just want to you. add you said it was mike poiser who is yes. in fact joe's dad that's right. Yeah. Exactly. So people who yeah. the listeners they don't know, uh, Joe Poiser, again, don't know the, the, the man behind sort of Onza. Uh, Mike is is uh, is Joe's dad. So that was your first sort of interaction, I guess, with uh, with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting little little yeah. story with Joe as well. There was Chris was working for Onza at the time. That's mm. uh, Joe's brother. Yeah. So Mike's other son, and Chris was quite a, quite a handy bit uh, BMX rider back in the day. So yeah. he was well into the bikes. But Joe always said, "I'm never getting involved in the bike industry. I don't want to work with bikes." <laughs> He ended up getting in there. Now he's like brand manager. You've said that, Adam. Uh, he's coming on the show in a few weeks, so we're going to have really? the Onza story quite soon, and we will bring that yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I've got the memory right, and he, he agrees with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> but yeah, Joe's like really, really good guy, and, and then Crick Pitt and Mike, all both all really good guys as well. And just having that base of good quality, inexpensive trial spikes, pretty much kickstarted. So it's Onza were like the supplier. That's of incredible. Tarty bikes. So without Onza, there would be no tie. Without bikes. Onza, there yes. wouldn't have been tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. There we go. My, my mind's blown. <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> see, already I knew this was going to be an educational like show. That is incredible, and it just kind of you. So you bought the parts from from Mike at, at Onza, yeah. and at that point, what you just sort of take them home and uh, try to advertise it. What? Where did you go from there? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they'd already been kind of integrated into. Trials forum for quite a bit, and we've been using the Charles Kings at a forum as well. Um, and if you remember that far oh, back, that, so yeah, like, see, that rings a bell. But I think that was be way before even my time because we yeah, came in two thousand six, seven. Okay, so. yeah. But was it, I know Charles King. You said it was called uh, Charles Kings. You know, yeah. Holroyd and yeah. Adam Burns yeah. and James Island, that sort of lot. 
I think they had a forum that we all used to use. And then Trials Forum came around and everybody moved to Trials Forum because it was a, a dedicated forum rather than a forum hidden within a website, if you get know what I mean. Yeah. And it, was a, yes. it was more modern because I think Danny and Tom both have some sort of background in IT or tech, at least. They, they I, know, the we, I know Tom does, so that was because just from, from reading, and he was one of the main yeah. kind of uh, moderators, wasn't he, to, to keep it all exactly, going. Yeah. Yeah. That was before Facebook, though. Tom like, Forum, yeah. the trials community was so ahead of community aspect yeah. that we were using a Facebook social media-style platform <laughs> before most of the, yeah, yeah. those people. Did that have any sort of help with the sort of kicking off tarty then, I suppose? you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I remember... Receipts ordered from zero right through. So 0001 receipt was actually one of my mates that I knew through Trials Forum, and he bought a set of Onza Hognesian pedals. Like £40 plus £3 post, bosh, there we go, out, out the door, you know, straight away. So they went. Um, and then, you know, other people that we knew bought a few bits and bobs and bobs, and you make, like, you know, a couple of quid here and a couple of quid there, and we didn't spend any of it. We just bought more stock and just repeated it and then built a really, really basic website that's literally just an Excel sheet that you click to download and you know it says unless you've got in stock and the prices so it's like a, a, a catalog that you used to have to manually download sort of thing completely yeah yeah, yeah. what year was that do you remember i so when you're kicking that was probably oh four i think yeah yeah so you're oh, in that four. like you said 99 you've skipped you about six years ahead and you're just 99 you were like oh there's a trials bike and six years on you're kicking into the the shop sort of thing yeah basically yeah yeah so that was last last year of uni yeah, um, running it alongside not doing my course at uni, <laughs> basically. Um, well, you know, yeah. you put you put your commitment elsewhere, and it seems to have paid off, mate. I must say. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, it's bizarre to think that it's that long ago. Um, things have changed, you know. Things have moved on a lot. Nuts. It wasn't the sort of thing you started to be uh, knowing that you were going to go this big, or was it sort of like let's just see what happens? Completely customer driven, like yeah. That's, that's just interesting, yeah. Fulfilling whatever demand there was rather than really pushing it hard. And I've never really been one for pushing hard. I think that you get that buyer's remorse. If you push something on somebody and they don't really want it, then they don't feel good about the purchase. So if you just completely let everything happen organically and just provide information, the customers make their own decision, buy what they feel like buying. Mm. It feels to my side, and I think it feels better from a customer side as well. I think that's um, really that's well represented point. when you yeah. go on your website, like, you know, with anything like brake parts or whatever, there's always quite a clear amount of, you know, diagrams, specifications. And that's what was so good. Like I, to echo what you just said there, I think mm. a lot of people can then go and get all the information they need and go, well, actually, this is providing me with a lot more, you know, value than just buying something. You know, there's a lot of in-depth spec. It's a, well, it's a catalog. There. I know um, that I use Tidy Bite sometimes to find out the weight of stuff. Well, I remember and years like... ago when that came out and it was, because it was always like price lowest to highest. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, weight. Yeah, I used to go sort by oh. weight. <gasps> oh, yeah, oh my gosh. I wasn't sure if anybody used it. That's good. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a great thing. When it came out, Adam, I remember being like, oh, everyone was like, I'm a weight weenie. That's what we were calling ourselves, weight weenies. We're all trials riders, so we're all, we're all weight weenies, you know, at least somewhere, aren't they? Even if it's like back in the back of your brain, you're like, oh, I don't really want that super heavy. But part, I think, but... well, your sort of point there, Tom, it's just, it was more than a shop. And I think that's kind of of it. It was um, this area you could just get information. What is out there? What can you find? Because uh, trials, uh, trials companies very rare. I mean, back then, rarely advertised, oh, this is coming out. It was only what you had on the website. Back, back then, yeah. that from what I understand. Yeah, that was yeah. like... 
Sorry, go on, Tom. Go I was just literally just echoing what Matt was going to say that yeah. when it just came out on the website, I was like, oh, it's been released. That it's, was, yeah, it's a new item. It's, come, it's here, it's there, you can buy it. Whereas I think like now there's a little bit more of advertising. We can see things that are coming and uh, and it's can get them in different places, I suppose. Yeah, I think that just comes from the, the natural, what's the word? Um, not growth, but like maturity of the trial's whole yeah. supply chain. Because back in the day, I was... I was just going to come on to this back in the day, like back 99, 2000 when I was riding, mm. you'd literally ring up, say Clean Bikes or NSE, Fred or Barbara, and they would say, um, it's a stem for a Monty 221X light. And that's all it was known as. You wouldn't oh. know the length, the rise, handlebar clamp size, anything, or the weight. It was literally, I need a stem for a Monty 221X light. And the stem would turn up and it would be a direct fit for the full standard bike. But there was no guarantee it would fit anything and you had no idea if it would fit Anything else wow. you already had, right? They weren't universally built yeah. at that point. No, 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 it was not. So, you get, you know, I want to crank for it on a rat and crank for a Cox XTP, and a rat and crank for a Cox XTP would turn up, but you didn't know if it was square taper or ISIS. That's almost like when you go to like a, a, a parts department for like cars, or yeah. They're like, exactly. just give us a number what, plate. What year was it? Oh, okay, oh, 2001, they changed to the two this yeah. style, <laughs> exactly. And that's because Monty Faust bikes come from Montessa motorcycles. Yeah. They use the same parts of Manchester as the as the motorbike side, uh, and then everybody because Monty were the first and the only. Everybody copied that. So it's the same procedure as you would. You know, go into there, go. What bike have you got? Give us a wrench. You whatever. know, give us that one. Whereas now we're like, well, what does it fit? Yeah. Um, there's much more complexity involved in doing it the way we do now, and it requires a lot of, of specialist knowledge rather than just parts codes out of a catalog. But I think because. I might be calling us all out here a little bit here, but cars riders are generally quite nerdy and we like to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I no, totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's that level of, and that's why we're always interested in everyone's talking about geos um, and Mm. stem sizes and so on and so forth. And that's a big topic in trials because that seems to have a large effect on on somebody's. Yeah, it's uh, like riding, riding, you know, there's like so many variables to it. And I think everyone wants that's part of being a trials rider, yeah. knowing all those variables from riding and from building a bike. If I do it's this, fun. it's mm-hmm. going to give me that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what benefits here? Do I get benefits from this? And how does it make me a better rider? Or does it make it feel good? Um, and trials itself, does it look good? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to kind of fast forward to almost where we are now with trials, because you've okay. obviously seen this across the years, all the different brands that have come and gone and where we are now. I think we briefly mentioned this on another podcast. What happened to Monty? Because you just mentioned him there, Mon- yeah. Monty Montessa, because they were like the top of the trials tree, right? Yeah. Literally, like, probably late, late 90s, you go to a comp somewhere in, in Yorkshire and 95% of the bikes will be Monty's, you know, yeah. it's yeah. unreal. Um, as, as far as I can understand, they had some sort of financial troubles, um, possibly around the financial crash, like 2008, 2009, oh, gotcha. time. and... Um, I think that was also the point where inspired bikes became known yeah. and people yeah. started to buy the 24 inch kind of crossover bike. So instead of just being, I want a trials bike, I'm going to have to buy a Monty because that's all you can get. It was now, I want a trials bike. Oh, Danny Mac makes that look really fun. You can get an inspired off the shelf that also works really well as a complete bike. Yeah. Um, and it's also more accessible. You just walk out your door and there's a wall or a bench or something to ride on rather than having to find somewhere potentially you know you want to try natural for example yeah um and then that coincided with them i think they tried to expand into 
regular mountain bikes and like e-bikes and they do some weird like crazy trikes like electric power trikes for going around big warehouses and so are they still functioning at the moment but just on a different kind of business model yeah exactly yeah they've moved over to to regular kind of bikes and then the i think that the trial specialists have moved on from the company and it's a more you know, like based on part numbers now rather than nerdy knowledge. If you, if you tell yeah, me. and I guess it's always who's behind it, you know, whoever's um, driving the trial side of things that it often gets, you know, moved on. It's the same thing with Onza. Joe was promoted in within more large the suppliers yeah. and taken <laughs> away from the trials kind of responsibility. And that's how Onza stopped doing trials because Joe is no longer. Yeah, sort of really similar that. to Monty. So obviously Opti was like almost like the Joe Poiser. In right, yeah, and then Pedro P was like the Mike Poiser. Um, <laughs> so Pedro P got, got old and retired, and Op P is now. I think Op P is about fifty now, but he's still a wicked rider. I don't know if you've seen his, his recent videos, no, but it's probably all something to do. Yeah, um, and then he left Monty. I think it was probably six, eight, ten years ago. So there wasn't really a another trials person that came in to fill the the boots, if, if you see what I mean. Mm, so they yeah. just lost the way a little bit with updating the product and, and keeping stock of, of core core parts, and now they've sort of fizzled out really, unfortunately. The last mm. thing they made was the Monty Carbon because I'm, I'm like, are they the only people to make a 20 inch carbon with rear Magura? Mm. Yeah, I'm, Adam, I'm testing Adam. Like, is that I don't know anyone that did make a carbon frame with a rear Magura, and it was Monty. I think the, the obviously the first to do a, a full carbon frame, and at that point, 20 inch riders were still using rear Magura sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but now it's pretty much all discs. So, I guess mm. the more recent brands. Um, who are doing all four carbon frames of going like nah, no one uses a rear Magura brake. No point putting one on. So. Oh, just wait. I'll have the first carbon rear Magura brake. I'm working on a custom thing with uh, a friend of mine. So hopefully, oh, nice. hopefully, <laughs> um, it might be funded for nothing and break. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it's, right. it's, yeah. it's in the it's in the works. It's in the works because I'd like I'd like one. <laughs> I've got an M5 if you want that. Oh, <laughs> oh no! I see that might that might be a, you know maybe we could try it out. That might be a good yeah, luck. Yeah, doing yeah. deals on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> podcast deals. Yeah, yeah. Hey, love it. So oh, that wow. was because at that time when Monty was about, there was so many other brands as well. And like, there's things that you know we don't really hear from anymore. It must have been a nightmare to stock some of those different colorways and options. I'm talking like Deng specifically, yeah. like Echo, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like buy one set of parts and they're all silver. You had to buy all of them in five different colours. And... Just five, eh? I wish. All right, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Go on. Do you remember how many colours? Go on. We, we placed an order once with, with NSE, so that's Cox, um, when they were the importers, and we we took over that eventually. But we placed an order with, with Fred, and this is when Cox did rims in 32 and 28 hole front, 32 and 36 hole rear, Black, silver, red, blue, green, gold, white, fluoro pink, fluoro yellow, and fluoro green. <laughs> and our order had 256 rims on it. And that was just to cover like a couple of each. Yeah, kind of each. That's yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking about going, oh, there's only two of each colour. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> it was like, it was unreal. And, and then Echo started doing the same thing because Echo have been always very good at what they do, but they've always been like, like a lot of the, the Chinese brands are now as well, mm. they see something that a Western country has developed and then they make a very, very good version of it very quickly for a lot less money. Yeah. As soon as Cox brought out those rims and all those colours, Echo did it as well. 
and then our next Echo Order had Tinkle as a rib. It was absolutely mad. <laughs> okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, so Cox with the kind of the pioneers of the colour then, and then because I always yeah. just assumed, yeah, like you see the Deng, and that was their colour thing. But yeah, I just, it would make sense as you say. Because... I just thought they had loads of different metal colours in China. They're like, well, we need to use this, and no one rides trials, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just make these ribs. People get destroyed quickly when everyone smashes the crap out of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's still a thing because, uh, you know, some people still have some of those rims. I saw in a fluorescent mm. pink one on the weekend at, at James's. Still oh, wow. got the trial logo in silver and you can tell it's 36 holes just by looking at it now. <laughs> like, that's not really a thing anymore. <laughs> Quality, yeah. Yeah, so that was, was always difficult to stock. And then we did the same sort of thing when we... Um, it used to be bike dock in Northern Ireland who imported Echo and Soup. And the shop called Gary used to ride trials there. So bike dock's a normal bike shop. And then Gary sort of handled the trial stuff. Um, and they sort of became too much difficult for them to do on the side of the normal bike shop. So we took over the import tip of, of Echo. And then obviously Zoo and Saar and Adamant and Goo or GU or whatever you want to say. Yeah. All, the, all those brands. Um, but then we had brake boosters, hubs. Great clamps, handlebars, headsets, pedals, cranks, all of those five brands, all in black, silver, red, blue, green, gold. So <laughs> just to get color. one, one of each crank they do will be 30 sets of cranks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, say, want... they knew what they were doing, being like, well, they're going to need at least one colour of each. So at least we'll sell, you know, one of each. Of cranks. But yeah. then everybody wants, you know, you, you think, well, Silver's got to sell best, surely. So we get like two or three of those, and then you're like, well, people prefer the adamant ones, or the, like the SAR ones, or do they prefer the G ones, or one Echo ones? So which ones of those do we order most of? Right. It's just like so a massive, hard. massive head blag trying to, trying to put an order together from them. It was hilarious. Well, you'd guess it a bit of a bet guessing game in terms of yeah. being like, what do we think our consumers want? Um, exactly. Yeah. And know, know, if you remember back then, that was 2007, I think, all this cool stuff came out. So hmm. like the, the SAR stuff all had like a theme where it had like triangular patterns on it. So like the booster had like a triangle yeah. across it and the cranks were like triangles. And then the like the, and then the adamant one was kind of like a swoopy front with pockets out the back and they did the same on the booster had like a like a blancmange sort of mold really mold shape around the outside of the booster yeah. but then you're like well do people want to have matching cranks and the great booster or do they want to buy the adamant cranks because they look the nicest and then the echo booster because that looks the nicest so you just never had any idea what what yeah yeah no, i can see how it's tough because even now they're, they're still i'd say still hard to find some of those parts obviously they don't make them yeah yeah anymore yeah. Um, yeah. but colours aren't it come on to this thing we were talking about this yesterday we was out for riding like I know the other weekend and it's just like it's just black red silver like, that's like what's colours now are just non-existent yeah. really yeah um, do you know I mean what sort of what do we think happened there I guess they just sort of lost I think from my point of view like the, the, we had a bit of a boom in like 2011-2012 when there was a lot of people riding and now age group kind of got a bit older got real jobs got more kids got kids and wives and all sort of stuff and then yeah. you just have less free time so you don't you've got a group of like five or six lads who used to ride together maybe one or two of them drop out and then you know one or two of them are a bit busy and you don't really want to go riding by yourself so you sort of bike the bike sits in the shed and gathers a bit of dust and it sort of sits there and it, it's almost like it chicken and egg you know it gains momentum and it loses momentum so crowds lost momentum after that after that point yeah there's, you know, people weren't buying as much volume of stuff, so you literally couldn't afford to, you know, you buy 50 back, 
know, if I play, you know, minimum order from, from Taiwan, I'm like 50 or 100, you buy 50, you have them all in black because it's too expensive to get, you know, 10 in black, six in silver, eight in gold, eight in green, eight in red, you know. So it's just smaller quantities. And then I think, slightly better well, for you guys, perhaps, yeah, having yeah. to have all of the colours. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nuts. Um, another stupid anecdote going back to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, we've spent all this time deliberating about what to buy and stuff. And we did a we did the bike show at I think it was Stonely, like one of the first years it moved there from the NEC. And we took a stand down and it was like absolute carnage. And that someone comes up to us and goes, oh, I'd like to buy a brake booster, please. And like, cool, which one do you want? A blue one. That was the only thing you wanted, just a blue brake booster. You didn't care what it looked like, but it was four point two volts. <laughs> there you go. And so it, like all that deliberation, completely pointless. Absolutely, you know, be a blue one. Yeah. Funny. I mean, it's a unique, that's a desirable thing because the bikes are very much quite custom nowadays, mm. very unique. So it is that kind of, oh, I want that to, to suit me. One thing I wanted to touch on a little bit, I think back then, you had like, everything was compatible with everything. Do you know what I mean by that? You could get this set of cranks would fit on this bike. And this bottom bracket would, would fit, would in, fit in any other Rockman frame, Onza frame, this frame. We are very much leaning towards... Um, uh, unique specifications for specific brands, should we say? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. what, how, how, what are your views on the way that it's progressed and, and done that? Like, Kruger's a special bottom brackets and so forth. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like everything, I think, in life, it's a bit cyclical. So, back in the day, Monty made like 106 mil based rear hub and they would offset the BB shell in the frame like 10 mil off to the, off to the non drive side. Mm. So, you know, you couldn't get a rear hub. Or Monty from Cock, for example. Or yeah. So that was and Monty have always been a bit like that. They've always been a bit doing their own little wacky thing, you know. Um, a few instances where just won't won't fit another bike, which is a bit frustrating. But and then, like you say, there was a, there was a time when everybody kind of was like, right, we need to make it's easy for riders and everything's going to fit together. And it and it did, you know. Not everyone had the same size headset. Hence, there's that's BB. Yeah, it, yeah. it was it was great, you know. Everything was nice and easier. But now, like you say. There are small advantages to some of the unique equipment that we've got. You know, like bought through axle, great. Back wheel goes back in exactly the same place. Move when you when you ride in, happy days. But then the, the downside is, like you say, you can't just buy X hub and fit it into Y frame and you need to chain tensioner and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and that is one of our not major problems, but it's a lot more time involved in helping customers with that sort of stuff, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it, you need to be quite techy with this sort of stuff. And a lot of our customers aren't. They just want a nice bike and go, have a, you know, go and ride it. Um, so it does cause a few issues. I, I don't see it disappearing anytime soon because a lot of the standards are very good in their own right. You know, it's durable stuff. And it works really well. Yeah, there's a reason they've moved to that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, a Kruger's bike might be I don't know, what, half a kilo heavier than something else, but it's proper solid. Mm. It worked really well. Um, but, the, you know, the, again, offset BB shell all the way off to the left, you know, so you, your left hand stays virtually straight um and it still has tie clearance and the right one kinks in to clear the free wheel um, it does it makes mine ocd go insane i can't look down <laughs> at the frame and be like what it's bent it's wrong what the hell I, I know it, sound, it sounds so strange but it, genuinely i look at the bike and i'm just like this feels strange <laughs> my i clearly have ocd 
Like, clearly. Yeah, I, I'm in two minds about all these parts now. I mean, it's kind of good that trials has gone this way. Because yeah. it's like when you look at downhill mountain bikes and things like that, I've said this before, where it kind of all like clicks together. Like you say, the wheel goes back in the same place. It's brilliant. It's engineered. It's machined. Yeah. It's perfect. Mm. Whereas trials biking always used to be kind of a bit of a, a bodge. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, well, like sna- snail cams, is the wheel st- straight enough? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the brake works, the chain's tensioned. Just scrubbing a bit. Mm, oh, ah, yeah. That's fine. Oh, is the chain rubbing on the frame slightly? Ah, it'll, it'll wear out a little bit later. Or... Yeah. <laughs> so it's good you that it's... Out, cut the side level off the tyre, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like that. Yeah, or when you had to like grind around a booster or whatever because, yeah, yeah the clearance. And... Oh, that's even um, being a whole sport. Like I remember as a... <laughs> this is another thing. As a child showing my mum... Being like, look, they grind their rims. Show you, look, this Tarty Bikes website shows you. <laughs> so I actually showing my mum at 16, being like, I told you, mum, this is what you're meant to do. Yeah. And obviously, at the yeah, time, you're, you you did videos then, um, sort of how to grind your rim. And I remember using that to show show my mum. <laughs> yeah, we, we've actually used some more videos soon because I was, yeah, that's old old school videos. Those are really old. Aren't yeah, they? but it, it, it really helped. I don't know if you know that, Adam, yeah. but it really did. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah, yeah we still that. we still get a lot of cars mums, you know, they ring up and they're like, Are you sure that this isn't what you meant to do with this bike? Is that is that okay? kind of thing, you know. And yeah. It's nice to reassure them and you know, most of the trials mums are all lovely, you know, you have a chat with them and help them out and they're like, is this the right is this the right phase? These grips are called it's a, it's a bastard grips, is that right? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> that a few times. But, yeah. Oh wow. I would have thought, do you get a lot of just technical calls. They're like, hey, I have nothing to buy from you, but I tell you what, lads, I'm having a major issue. I found this bike in the shed. It says it's a uh, Onza or something. Do you know what you f- think about it? <laughs> well, that, that brings us on to last year. I mean, the, the whole pandemic can go out apart from doing an exercise and insinuate that you should go and ride a bike thing. Um, many bikes came out of many sheds and we had many calls like, I need some bits from me, 2005 Onza or whatever. Like, I've just picked up 50 quid off, off Gumtree or whatever. Wow. And it was tons and tons of that sort of stuff. And it was awesome, wow. you know, names popping back up in the order system that we hadn't seen for years, you know. Yeah, he's customer number 2,000. We're on to like 35,000 now, you know. Um, oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, so I forget really that cool. you see old names that you'd just be like, oh my gosh, I know what he, yeah, he's, he's getting back into trials or he's got this. Yeah. And... yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, you get a lot of, a lot of techie, techie Q&As, yeah. yeah but it's, yeah. it's good, you know, I'd rather, where I see it is, come to us and go, you know, what bike should I buy for? me eight-year-old lad or whatever and I sort of say well you know you can buy a gypsy at seven or eight hundred quid but he a might have outgrown it in a year and b might not even like trials so mm. have a look second hand if you want to send us an ebay link and we can have a nosy over it and check out it looks okay that's great because then it's another kid on a bike or somebody else on a bike yeah and that's what's important that's you know it's it's good it's fun it's healthy rather than you know, maybe maybe rather than making a sale, just to help someone get a bike working again. We're so niche. It. You need the you need someone um, someone's experience to kind of help you, really, because yeah, it's yeah. so niche. Well, it tarnishes the brand a bit, I suppose. If they get this really nice Jitsi and then they don't get on with it, and then it's like, well, that was a bad. But oh, this is exactly they're like, oh, that wasn't. Yeah, they have a bad taste for it. Where they're gonna have as much fun as you know, like a used used sort of bike, and then when they do get into it, they can then come back to you and then get that that more higher end Jitsi, you know? And yeah, potentially, yeah, yeah. And it kind of comes back to what we were chatting about. I think before we started recording was, you know, it's it's nice to have that sort of organic um, lack of. Brain's fading a little bit already. Um, lack of like as remorse, you know, on stuff, you know. Yeah. We, we, we use what you've already got. Have a go, see if you like it first, and then think about 
find some more bits if you need them, you know. Might as well just get people out on bikes enjoying it and saying, hey, healthy. Which is a yeah, most yeah. phrase of 2020, but... Um, it seems like a lot of your uh, <clears throat> sort of staff and the people that worked with, with you have all been trials riders too, right? So it's, it's very much a, a passion for, for the sport as well as the, the work itself. Is that sort of right? Have you had quite, quite a few riders? Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody... I'm trying to think right back. Yeah, right. Right back, right from the start. Everybody who's who's worked with us has been a trials rider, apart from the, the two current guys, Ben and Charlie, who are now trials riders, but weren't when they started. Oh, uh, okay, so nice. that's the Ben. So shout out to Ben there at your store who wrote an awesome little message um, to us at one point, said... What did he say? I can't remember what the term was, but it was so funny. Stop, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, I, for, I forgot what it was now. It's just gone out of my head. Um, oh, shit. Keep on rocking with it. Oh, yeah, shit. Shinami Timbers. Timbers. And I was like, <laughs> yes, Ben, that was brilliant. So shout out to Ben there. Sorry. Are you going to do all of those like sea shanty songs and release it? Shinami Timbers. But that's so there. And bringing new trials riders to the sport. Um, something I wanted to make sure we touch base on now. I've seen you have a little trolls park in, in your warehouse as well. What, what's that all about? What, what's, what's that? So, yeah, it's been there. For yeah, I mean, tell, yeah. Us, tell us a little bit about it so people that don't know. I mean, pretty straightforward. So we just have a bit of spare space in the back of one of the warehouses. But, you know, it hasn't got any stock in it. Yeah. So we just sort of cobbled together some pallets and some old tyres and some bits of old sleepers and. You know, ben, like ben Slinger, probably probably know that name. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, we know, yeah. He lives up only half an hour north of us, and his dad drives wagons. So they were Ben was moving out to his own house, and he had all this trial stuff in his back garden, like sleepers and logs and whatnot. And his parents were like, "We need to get rid of this." And Ben was like, "I know, I'll take that." Yeah, <laughs> so he goes, I've got all his old trials kit in our in our in our warehouse, which is nice because you know Charlie and Ben and whoever whoever's there at any point can have a quick half an hour lunchtime or whatever, you know, and just get away yeah. from the computers and, That's and what the Lunch break is actually just training on the bike, you know? That would be the dream. Jump on the trials yeah. bike, quick, uh, yeah. quick break. Are you still riding then, Adam? Talking of riding bikes, I know you have ridden over the years. And um, Are you still riding? Have you still got a bike yourself? Still got me Monty M5 with <laughs> Tarty Day's 2014 stickers on it. So it's been, it's been a while since I've had an upgrade. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was not, a while ago. Not riding tons of trials at the moment, but quite a lot of mountain bike, actually. Um, oh, so you're still, you're still cycling. That's important. Yeah, yeah. Probably getting out two, three times a week at the moment, uh, which is nice. Um, so I've gone completely left field from the, the rest of the bike industry, like we chatted before, I'm about the you know downhill bikes and all the mountain bike standards that are like oh you need this use this yeah. and 29 this and more suspension this and all that jazz and i've just gone got it i'm building myself a rigid steel single speed bike <laughs> like basically an off-road trials bike and having a lot of fun with that because it's just simple um so and then obviously but ben and charlie coming back in coming into tight bikes and getting into trials and wanting to learn i've actually been out riding with them a few times which is really cool to give me the motivation to start again yeah you know? so, it's been a lot of fun and it's amazing how much you still have, even though I've not ridden seriously for probably you know, a good couple of years. Um, you can still do it, and it's still a lot of fun, and you still, you know, you still ache a little bit after after you've ridden. So why not? Yeah, get the get the bug was... back again, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Good. The new riders really do. It's the same for me. If I see someone who's sort of very much getting into it, you're you're spurred on to. Hey, yeah, come on, you can do that. We can improve. Yeah. You can do that. So yeah, yeah. and you, and also as a as a rider who's been riding for quite a while. Back it, back it, I'm going to go back in the back in the day again. Now making mm. myself sound old, but you know we would like sit on like a on a free serve one pence a minute develop connection that would only last for two hours before you got cut off. 
and you had to try and download the latest 900 megabyte Trials Kings clip within that yeah. two hours. So you, <laughs> couldn't use, you couldn't use MSN Messenger because obviously they use the bandwidth up. So you had to like sit there for two hours just watching the video download at two and a half kilobytes a second. And oh, that was our only like inspiration for riding back in the day. And you get, you know, an MB UK article, but uh, it still doesn't quite give you the, the subtleties of trials that the video does. Mm. But a lot of the modern riders have got these amazing videos with really high quality definition. You can see stuff going on, but I don't think there's a substitute for riding with an experienced rider. And you can say, release your brake a bit earlier here or flex your ankles a bit more there. And like you were just saying, Matt, it's, it's nice to ride with a new rider and, and you, they can see what you're doing and you can give them some tips as well. Um, it's, really, it's really important to sort of see on almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also that sport where a lot of us are better at other things. It doesn't matter how long you've been riding. There's that sort of thing where, oh, that person is more, um, much better at a particular move. So you yeah. find that you're learning from them, you're watching them, vice versa. They're doing the, the same for you. Hence why I always think riding with someone is super important. Yeah. yeah. And trout, I think it's a really social sport. Like, I was, I was chatting with my partner the, the other day and she's got you know friends from work and friends from like so chats with a few mates from school and what have you and friends from hobbies and pretty much all of the people I spend any time with at the moment are people that I know from bikes like yeah, yeah. Like, I, common interest and you, you're probably a similar age similar outlook on life similar interests and it you suddenly you're almost I'm with pretty much everybody who rides a bike it's, it's, it's crackers just live and breathe trials I love that it's <laughs> just I feel so Sorry for some people that don't have that outlet, you know, that don't have a hobby that, that extends yeah. far further Wait, than... Do you mean there are people in the world that don't have bikes? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, no, exactly. They have bikes, they just have seats in them. Ah, I see. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I, I would hard, find it hard to believe because it's sort of like, sounds very cliche, like shaped my life. <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Well, yeah. I, I'm sure I you can relate, I, Adam, right? Yeah. I mean, like, if I had a... Andy, my mate from school in 1999, hadn't bunny up on that wall, my life would have been completely different. That's but, mental to think about those yeah. little things yeah. too. Um, yeah. Ah, oh man. I mean, we were also wanting to try, and we, me and Tom were thinking earlier, what asked ourselves, what was the third, first thing you ever bought off Tarty Bikes? So we were, we were both trying to come off this, and what did you come up with? Do you oh, I think it would have been like a, a set of Zoo handlebars and an, an Echo Stem. You know, back when it was in even... <laughs> the green, super wide Zoo with a little tiny bit of a rise... I think, and, uh, um, I actually, is it behind me? I think I found something that I, I'm oh. talking like 12 years ago. Give me a second. All right. I'm going to see if our system goes back that far. I'll just have a quick look now. Here we go. Gone. He's on it now. <laughs> Let's have a look. I think you've obviously got a fairly uh, unusual surname, Matt. So yeah. I, can have a look here. So. I think I was, I don't know, maybe... 13, no, 13, 14. Might have been in my mum's name at first. Um, and I remember, cards, I was just like, I didn't have very much money, but I wanted to buy something off the website. Oh, I remember these. It doesn't even fit me anymore, but it still exists. Do you remember this, Adam? Oh, the ridden t-shirts. The yeah, ridden t-shirts. Yeah. So this... I really like them. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's so funny. I've actually, I went to, uh, the went to the it. archives so for the viewers. I'm holding up the, the ridden t-shirt. It's got the FAQs on there. How do you shift? There's no shifter on that thing. You can't even have, you don't even have a suspension fork. Where's the C? What FAQs? are these holes in the rims for? Um, <laughs> speed holes. <laughs> speed holes. You know. So uh, just something I remember. This is the first thing I ever, ever bought off tie bikes, maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, well, I'm just looking now, actually. You're on a history map. Um, oh, no <laughs> way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me have a quick look, right? So, 
I have an order from you from the 29th of December 2006. Wow. Is it a Magura? No, it's a tie bike sticker. Just a sticker? <laughs> a V1 sticker, 150mm, black text, white outline. Delivered to Kilmar. In the wow, that's, that's a really old... That's the house I grew up in. Like, wow. yeah, mate, yeah. I didn't realise you could go what? back that far back. Yeah. So the Magura you bought was... 24th of Feb 2007. Yeah, that was the most uh, that was the most I'd ever parted with a bike part in my life. I wow. think I saved up for about six weeks. It was like eighty odd pounds for this full yeah. Megura. Sixty-five um, pounds, and you also bought an onto bash plate at the same time as well. Oh, oh you wow. little basher! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Oh, so mate, you, I didn't realise you could have. Uh, I would have probably asked, tried to go. Can you dig up some of these orders from some? <laughs> Let me have a quick look. Is your turn in with one or two T's, Tom? Uh, just one. Excellent. Let's have a quick look. H-E-T-L-E-Y. Try and find the oldest one. The oldest one. Oh, I love that we can... No, that's so good. Oh, I feel a bit sweaty. Totally right. Here we go. <laughs> I've got... PM7 postcode. Yes, me. Uh, 18th of April, 2007. Oh. Uh, front creepy crawler and a set of grey trial rubber grips. I remember those grips. <laughs> they went straight on my onto TV. That was quality. <laughs> TV? Yeah. I didn't have the TV. I didn't have the TV. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Here. This is definitely one you couldn't have bought off the site as well. I wanted to. Do you remember what year the first Tarty Days was, Adam? Might have been 13? No. Oh, the ones over in Wales. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, I believe this is the very first Tarty Days t shirt, but I wanted you to correct me if I'm wrong. 2011 at Wales. Woodfest Wales, yeah. I think it was the, the first one, but. Look, I think I don't know who the silhouette is. If it was Ali C, someone going over the the water. Is that Stan? I think it's Matt Barlow. Or Matt Bar- or Stan? Uh, yeah, it could be Stan. No, it's Stan. No, pretty sure it's Matt Barlow. Yeah, no, I, I would like to think, but an- another oldie there. Yeah, um, if anyone's got some really old T-shirts, um, we, we're, we're looking to start a, a bit of a, a catalogue here. Hashtag but, um, tarty tees or something like that. Trials nostalgia. Yeah. There was a time, like everyone remembered this, that everyone, it was obligatory to wear a tarty bikes T-shirt. If you didn't a have a tarty T-shirt, you weren't a trials rider. That was a thing. <laughs> Did that ever cause any problems? Did anyone like phone up and say, well, are these kids bashing on our walls or, or anything <laughs> like that? Uh, no. But two random anecdotes related to Tidyback T-shirts. We did get some photos sent by some random guy yeah. at Scarborough. There's some riders riding on the rock, on the Sea Defence rocks, and he sent us the photos. And also, Julian um, <laughs> Happish, the from Trials End, who's obviously something recently yeah. just passed away. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was obviously a Frenchman. He was working or living in China. And there's some sort of story. I think he saw... Well, someone saw him wearing a tight bike t-shirt or like, he saw a slight tight bike sticker somewhere on like a lamppost or something like that. It's just like, what's that all about? It's weird. But that's how you connected because I remember the first time I was visiting some family in Poland. I must have been about 15 at the time. I was I just going to say, your, your first name on your initial orders, Matt, is, is not Matt, is it? No, it would be my mum's Malgorzata. That's her full wow. name. Um, oh, cool. So I guess that's what it bit would have been. I just used used my mum's card back then. Yeah, yeah. the same. Yeah, <laughs> um, and delivered. So I remember then being back into Poland. My mum's super supportive of of the sport. So happy for that. Just seeing a guy in a tie bikes t shirt in Poland, <laughs> yeah. and that was when I then knew. I was like, 
oh my god, there it, it's not just like it's not just in Cornwall. I was a kid. You're yeah. like, oh, Cornwall's where trolls is, you know. <laughs> and that was <laughs> just seeing that first yeah. kind of international, which is kind of leading on to something I wanted to to ask. At what point did you break the cycle where you weren't just the UK? You were like, whoa, we're getting international orders. Was there mm. a, a point that really just started happening or it slowly progressed to that? It was a slow progression because I think, again, going right back to the start, people would up an order something and that's fine. You've got a rapport and you know there's a real person at the end of the line. When websites, e-commerce websites like coming around, you never really knew if that was actually real or working or you get your stuff. Right. So it took a while to build the confidence. And obviously having a, having a trials forum and a community and being known really helped with that. Yeah. But then if someone from like Germany or France wants to buy from a UK web shop and they have no idea if it's real or genuine, it's a long time for that kind of confidence to, to come around. So it was a really gradual process. Um, and it was almost, again, sort of customer-led, sort of demand-led rather than pushing it. You know, we get an email from a guy in France saying, can you tip some brake pads? And we're like, yeah, no problem, we can sort it out for you. And it's just organically grown from there, really. Yeah. Um, so but also to the point where, like I said, the last few years, trials has had a bit of a, a drop-off in the UK, you know, the natural cycle that we talked about with providers getting a bit yeah. older and the rise disappearing, that sort of thing. And our international sales were actually 75% of our sales. Um, wow. That's yeah. what I think last time someone... Someone last year or the year before mentioned that to me. You were actually selling more now to sort of Europe and, and Russia than you were the UK. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, but it the, makes the sense. They're bigger countries, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you mean you know USA, Japan, uh, Germany, Canada are the biggest really that we sell to overseas. USA, that's an interesting one. I didn't really because yeah. I never. I lived there for two years and never spoke to a trials owner. Tried to dig to find people. I think it's just almost too big a country. Exactly, that. the population density is tiny, isn't it? So, if you put the same number of trials riders in the US as there are in the UK. You'd be like 100 miles to the nearest rider. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, and all the riders that sort of—they always say, oh, we, we sort of ride on off by ourselves, or we have to travel like a full weekend trip just to ride with a couple of people in the next in the next city. You know, like thousands of miles away. It's, it's mad. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with the USA is that obviously there's so many customers, mm. uh, potential customers. There's no language barrier, really helpful. And FedEx are unreal at sending stuff there. So, you know, we've just, we've just had our DPD, DPD UK courier prices put up. So it's like to send a one kilo mail pack, which is A4 size. So yeah. I could have a, like a stem or a grip or whatever mm. on a next day service costs of seven quid. Um, whereas we can, send, we can send something of the same size yeah. to the USA next day before 10 30 because there's a slight time difference really yeah. helps and that costs us about 11 quid wow it's like what, what how does that how does that <laughs> yeah make any sense at all so and then the u.s customers come to us and go yeah i no, i had no idea how you did that you know i've ordered some stuff from the next state like the same time and yours has turned up three days earlier and it was cheaper but it's all because of fedex Shout out to my old man working at FedEx. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Um, I had no but, idea the global reach trials actually had until like the last year or two or so. I mean, especially since we've known and I can see the countries that are just listening to this show, you know, yeah. people are, and yeah, it's totally global being USA is the, one of the third highest uh, listeners, um, yeah. you know, and there's people in Maldives. So the, the fact that you're able to reach the riders as well as this kind of, um, what should I say? As well, you you've got the, as big a reach as you can have in any sort of store. The the actual riders all around the world per se aren't limited. That's what I mean. They're not limited. They're like, oh, if I need anything, tie bikes. Hmm. Yeah. You aren't limiting to them. Yeah, it might take a bit of time and it might cost a bit if you're you know in the middle of nowhere. But um, yeah, as long as you've got an internet connection or a phone line, we can get stuff to you. And that's just hmm. think about that. 15, 20 years ago, it's just impossible. But even no, to know if there was a demand there, like we're, we're so yeah. blessed now, like we can just put this podcast up with like very little money and you can instantly see where so much data and things that would have been so valuable to you starting out, you know, like 15, 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, you just couldn't even dream of it back then to have that, those metrics. It's just so commonplace now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 that's, it's a, that's amazing technology and it really helps to bring things on in a certain way. But, on the flip side, for me, I think that's it, it, modern life. Sometimes, to me, feels a bit too much. If yes. that makes sense, you're yeah, always yeah. bombarded with stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm just gonna, I'm probably just gonna divert the conversation a little bit left field now. And, and something that I did with on one of Ali C's videos, just chat a bit about mental health because, yeah, like I think it goes hand in hand. I think with cross riders actually a little bit because mm -hmm. we're quite detailed and technical and specific about stuff, and we really like to niggle into the details. And I think the way the modern life is, it can tie your brain out a heck of a lot. Massively. You know, constantly yeah. thinking and, mm. and contemplating. And it almost, you know, it can boil all that into anxiety. And then that can move into depression. And it's, yeah, bike's a brilliant release, isn't it? That's the thing. You, 100%. You're not thinking about anything else. 100%. You're like, oh shit, I'm going to be down this wall. You know, it's not like thinking about anything else at all. And uh, bikes have basically kept me going through the years. And I know mm. after I've spoken to it with other people, um, They've said exactly the same thing, and the release you get from that is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it, it, it still, there's still a massive stigma about mental health. You know, you break your leg, everybody comes and signs the cast. You say I broke over my head, they're like, oh, you're not mate, it's all right, carry on. And it, from my point of view, from my you can't walk on a broken leg. Yeah, exactly. you, don't walk yeah, you on can't it. think on a broken head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I don't totally um, agree. Yeah. So my point is that I I have really struggled over the years, and in help and talking to your mates is a to start with yeah. is usually received much better than you expect and it's anybody who's struggling like the bike is, is brilliant it gets you the endorphins and you get a good, a good buzz from it yeah. and you make really good mates which is really important um but the way modern life is so fast-paced and there's just stuff fired at you all over the time it's really important to just take a bit of time and chill and and try and calm yourself down because yeah. you can just, just slow down and get on a trials bike. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. It is so hard to do it sometimes. But I think the trials bike is just the most natural way for myself to actually slow down because we've yeah. been doing like these rides on Sundays, and we said it before mm -hmm. on the podcast that the phone goes in the bag, and it's the only time I don't think about anything. Yeah, it's else. a form it's of it is a form of therapy. A hundred percent, the release yeah. that you get, um, and meditation. However, you want to look at that, yeah. because again. 
you're, you're locking off from the world. You're not phoned. All you're worried about is your tire hitting that rail and you're not dying. <laughs> Things like, and that is every, if, if, if that's all you're thinking about in that moment, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else matters, but landing yeah. this. Um, yeah, and that's basically the definition of meditation, isn't it? You're yeah. in, you completely focus on one thing and that's, Great. Yeah. And I think it's, and it's a really good point. Like it is coming up a little bit more in the trials world. And I'm glad that we've touched base on it a few times in the pods. And Adam, thanks very much for sort of letting the other people know that it, everyone goes through that as well. I think it's yeah. really important. Yeah. Um, and and we're, we're good at we're all good at that supporting each other. So it's all about the banter and all about the. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we kind of want to achieve with some of these podcasts and videos we're putting out is the fact that we're all human doesn't matter whether you're the, the best rider the not so good rider it's about your progression how you see the sport and that everyone is approachable everyone is just normal and that's yeah. breaking down these conversations that's what and, we want to share with the world and everybody's had their experience you've just shared with you know you've had your fair share of experience adam and as you're just a human like we are me and tom we have exactly the same it's we're all the same. We're just, for, you know, just fortunate that there's a microphone in front of us and people can hear us. <laughs> yeah. like, this is yeah. literally it. And the people want to well, listen to yeah. us. <laughs> well, the good thing is they don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so we've sort of definitely gone a bit on the, the history of Thai bikes and how important it's, it's been, some of the present. Has there been a bit of a resurgence then? Or like you mentioned yeah. earlier, the 2011-2012, would you say that was kind of the golden era or was it before that or...? I think it was a golden era. I mean, that was when most of the larger brands that I know, that you think of, typically when you think of trials, like Cox, Monty, Onza, yeah. were doing a lot of stuff. Um, and Cox were pushing on and developing quite quickly, you know, like all the, yeah, the, the Sky range of frames. Yeah. Uh, like Amazing. Sky, it's still sky red around. Sky, yeah. black sky, white yeah. sky. And they were all, they're like five really top sponsored riders. All the comps were like, massive and everyone was pushing hard and developing developing, Cox developing. Days was Cox massive days, yeah. that was Cox a huge days, event yeah. wouldn't it yeah yeah and like the Cox box frame that was just like completely wild and like nothing else <laughs> seen before and then you know other you know, carbon forks hydrox in hydroform in the frame yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I remember that. yeah. so oh, that was well. like the boom and it, uh, you kind of need the the mid-range sales is where you make them the bulk of your of your profits as a, as a company basically yeah. your, your high-end stuff is almost like showing off what you can do. But your, your mid-range stuff is your bulk of your sales. And then the low-range stuff is like, just help people out to get going, if that makes sense. So because there's a larger bulk of riders riding, especially across Europe as well, in France and what have you, Cox had a lot of money to put into R&D to make the really pimp top-end stuff to show off what you could do. And because they were then making that, the other companies were like, oh, we might, we want to not yeah. copy this, but we want to do something cool as well and, and make better bikes and, the bikes just dropped in weight like by like two or three kilos, didn't they? Almost, yeah, yeah. almost overnight, but within the space of a couple of years. Mm. And I don't know if you really recall, but I do. Getting <laughs> the warranty claim, they they kind of went a bit of warranty claim. People were, people, were trying to, people were buying really light stuff that was probably a little bit too light for what they wanted to do with it. Yeah. Um, and we had a few issues with failures and breaking, and then I think that in itself might have, I should just twig now, might have coincided with the the drop off in the amount of riders because the parts weren't as durable and you bikes would break more frequently. Yeah, I remember like the yeah, rock, Rockman stuff the really didn't last long, but it was amazing stuff. I always really liked it. Um, and I, I can see that. So there was a level of, oh, we might have got a bit too light. Things are starting to break. We need to take a few steps back. Yeah, and that's sort of happened now. I think, you know, the, the frames have settled at a sensible weight where we 
in the nicest possible sense, they go out the door and never see them again because it's it's good quality stuff. Yeah. That's the right sort of weight. Yeah, you know, it's durable um, rather than these like super nuts like scandium tubes like Rotman you mentioned. Matt, you know, the, the, the scandium frame was like one point one kilos. It's like yeah. you drop it on a rail, it falls in half. You know, but it's yeah. it's amazing while you while, while you yeah, I think that's that. it. I remember as well, and I remember you, I think you rode one of these as well. Was the Dob magnesium frame? Mm. Mm. Oh, that when yeah. they come out like magnesium, like don't don't get it in water, like it will explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a, yeah, the magnesium I had a frame four can rims at the, at the time, at the time, yeah. And that was like again pushing the limits of what was what you what you could do in the bike was like super light, um, but it was not fragile. But you had to be aware of of what you were doing with it. You know, like you couldn't give it to a beginner and he to landing, you know, and land sideways on the front rim because it just falling half, you know. Um, but the bike's got a bit too light, and I think. And the bikes, yeah, we're, we're not seeing, as they are now. Yeah, so. seeing how far they can sort of really take it, you know, really test yeah. uh, testing the waters there. Yeah. Um, one thing I forgot to ask even at the start, actually, mm. where the hell did the name Tarty Bikes come from? Oh, yeah. Where, where in our, what's the backstory to that? So this must be 1997? I want to say maybe, maybe 98. Seven, so I was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> so I so, so I was on a bike as a I had a little blue BMX yeah. with um, yellow top tube pads. Oh, yeah. You know, fashion balls as a yeah. child um, that I used to smash around at home on. And then I'd, I was always into bikes and I got, you know, me paper around and do some car washing and save up me two pound a week and a rally activated to 1997. Shout out to the, uh, wow. The old school. Oh, was it 96. 1996, yeah. yeah. So that was anyway. So that was the first mountain bike-ish. You know, it was a bit of mm. wasn't great. And then I ended up getting a Trek 820, the 96 or 97 model. And then I bought a muddy foot. How you? How you? He might have been second hand from a guy that owned Mike's Bikes in Morecambe, <laughs> and that was properly pimped out because it owned it owned the shop. Yeah. He just flogged his bike cheap to get himself another one, and it was really pimped out like haze disc brake in like 1996. Oh, I remember them being the, the craze, weren't they? Yeah. Magnesium bodies, magnesium calipers, <laughs> and this haze, like Rockshox, Judy Forks, and XTR Air Mech, and yeah. stuff like that. But I got the nickname of the Tart because I had a Tarty Bike. Um, and then Tarty Bikes just came from that. Oh, Adam, Adam the, the Tart Reed. Adam the Tart Reed. Yeah. And then yeah. Tarty Bikes. Oh. Here we go. Oh, well, that, now it's a lady, sadly. Yeah, I thought it would have been, you know, it would have been this, just like my sort of concept was like you're dolling up a bike. You know, exactly, when you, yeah. you yeah. know when you some somebody dolls themselves up and look great, they look really tie. Yeah. That is yeah. how I thought was my guess. I'm like, they came up with tie bikes because you're doing your bike up, but totally wrong. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. Oh, it's it's almost, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I suppose it was. No, but rather than the customers, it was more aimed at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Heard that story a few times. Usually from like. Play marketers and ring up, you know, and they're trying yeah. to sell you something, and they go, "It's not of interest. This is a really strange name you've got there. Where, where does the story <laughs> come from?" Yeah. So, I mean, has there been a bit of a resurgence? You said about people phoning up, like uh, finding bikes in the shed. Has there been a bit of resurgence, and will there be one? What's your prediction? Yeah, I, I think there's the future. Yeah, the future. It's, <laughs> it's always hard to predict, and I, mm. I've never really tried to predict that. I'm, mm. It's maybe not the right way to do business in a classical sense um but i tend to just like say let the customers lead the business almost and yeah meet the demand rather than try and drive it um so yeah 
March, you know, old Boris comes on the telly and says he can't go out because he might get really nasty about the flu. Yeah. Um, everyone's like, right, what can I do within half an hour of my house? Oh, about a trials bike, you know, and there's, there's stories of people not in trials, but in regular mountain bikes. They were selling like motocross bikes and quad bikes and all sorts of stuff like that, buying mountain bikes because mm. they could ride them from home rather than having to go and drive yeah. to a motocross track or something like that. And the same thing happened with trials bikes. You know, it's the most accessible form of bikes, I think. Even if even a mountain bike, you need to go somewhere to have some fun. Whereas the trials, you literally go out on your doorstep and you've got a curb or, or a wall well, and you can in, ride it. In your garden, really. And of yeah. course, that definitely uh, was encouraged by it was the one of the, per- the yeah. you know, perfect time for anyone to get into trials if they weren't and learn it because they couldn't do anything else. I mean, yeah. it was the first ever pink bike article on trials was this really? year or last year. I don't know if you saw that. Um, clearly no, someone no. at Jitsi contacted them because okay. they did the article on... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, careful what I say here. So it was a street bike they did it on. There's definitely other street bikes are available at much better uh, quality. But it was it was really nice for them to basically put it out there to say, oh, it doesn't matter if you're a trials rider or not, you know, learn the basics of bike it. moves yeah. Yeah. on a trials bike because... If you can do the nitty gritty technical stuff on on a trials bike, adapt that to your mountain bike, you'll be a better rider. And we've yeah, seen well, some of that with like Harry. I mean, Harry Mains for getting on like these sort of bikes. Harry Mains getting a, Sam got a trials bike. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're all trying to, to delve bikes. into that world. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that like Akrig and Danny Mack and Alex are amazing on mountain bikes, is it? No. As soon as you know where to put your wheels and you can manhandle a bike, it really improves your mountain biking. The um, best so bike riders got... know how to ride a trials bike. Yeah, like you, you look at um, I think it's Rob Warner started putting out some some YouTube videos and mm. stuff, and he had like him and Josh Bryceland and PE and all people are, and they're doing like a, a mini trial section on their e-bike, and yeah. they're all good trials riders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all going to be on next, isn't it? We're just it will all be e-frames. We'll have to. Oh, now the bikes are getting heavier, not lighter. <laughs> Fucking got 18 feet, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Because I know you can get these like gas, gas electrics now. So how long till we get, you know, electric? Yeah, I, I, hopefully oh. not. I'm yeah, sure people people ask about that. You know, like, oh, what about 27 and a half inch wheels? Or what about electric trials bikes? And not really sure. I've I've have seen a guy who had a, a custom 27 and a half uh, mountain trials bike made, which looks a bit weird because obviously the the BB chainstays kind of slope down to the bb because he's trying to get the bb height the same as 26 oh yeah so the frame actually looks like a yeah, yeah. Comes down yeah it's, bit, it's almost like a almost like you've got an inspired and flipped it over you know like, it's like a straight wow. line from, yeah. from, from drop out to head you but then it drops on drops the baby shell um but i don't know about that personally simply because mm. there's no proper rims available although a lot of mountain bike rims are very good there's not super wide ones and then you have a longer chainstay just to fit the wheel in physically and the bike's never going to be quite as zippy as a as a smaller wheel bike. But yeah, and it's obviously no. there's there's more bike beneath you then. Yeah, and trials isn't really about rolling over stuff. Um, not much, no. no, not. I mean, I get it. The whole the bigger the wheels, the better you'll roll onto stuff. So, but there's kind of like a finite point of that, isn't it? You get yeah, too I mean, would the wheel be too big? I mean, I, 26 is too big for me. I'm <laughs> just about getting on the 24 inch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, and you've got to accelerate that as well. And the further the weight is from the middle of the wheel, the harder it is to accelerate. So that is, like you just mentioned, the future of trials. That mm. might be one thing, but I think the barrier to that is, going back to 2011, 2012, there isn't the volume of sales. And, and one company like Cox wanting to push things forward at the moment, 
you know, there isn't the, the R&D funding available to do that. Yeah. Um, it's a bit tricky. Um, but That's I think... the thing with research and development for trials. It's, it's, it's all about breaking, <laughs> really breaking it because you were fully testing it to its ability because of the... Yeah. The, the moves that we we do so i can see that's definitely a hard thing to uh, to test yeah and just from a in stuff from a point of view i mean it's a general bike industry issue covid related you know so we've had a massive demand for bikes in general um and the supply chain has been stopped because no one's working in the far east so all of a sudden we've got this massive problem with with getting stuff made so normally an example would be like sram they do make BMX for bikes and the lead time from Taiwan might be like 30 or 40 days. Mm. At the moment, it's 400 days. Wow. Yeah. So if you yeah. order now, you're not getting your BMX until August 2020. Right, that's crazy. Sorry, 2022. 2022 yeah. Yeah. 2022, so, yeah. Yeah. And the SRAM are ordering like, what, 10,000 of those, 100,000 of those. And then if you apply that to bikes and frames, you've got like Giant, Trek, Cannondale, people like that. They're going to Mr. Taiwan Frame Manufacturing going, I'll have 10,000 of those, please. And then Inspired come along and go, any chance you could squeeze 104 plays in there somewhere? <laughs> yeah, that's a sorry, really mate. good point. Yeah. yeah no, sorry, mate. Why... I'm, I'm a little bit busy. Um, I know there's so many parts that people can't get to till later on this year. There are people yeah. asking for handlebars and so forth. Getting, oh, can you give me this? Can you give me this? I can in six months' time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a good or... I mean, it's great for the bike industry that it's definitely blown up in the last year i'm sure you've seen it from your end has orders increased as well from that sort of with, through 2020 yeah we ended up with you know really really busy year um yeah. Busy year, but now it's it's kind of the that was like the feast before the famine if that makes sense this yeah. year's been yeah. a little bit quieter now just just because of stock reasons like you say um getting stuff and just going back a tiny bit to the whole like what's the next for trials you know the 27 mm. and a half inch wheel thing as an example yeah it, there's companies aren't going to want to do one-off prototypes of stuff no, no. you might have set up time for a jig and pull, pull someone off a production line to make like a one-off custom frame which might take the same amount of time where you could build 10 or 20 pre-jigged pre-cut or ready to go frames they're just not going to do it so i think generally the bike industry might see a slowdown in development yeah. for the next couple of years and trials because it's so relatively small will probably be knocked on by that even worse mm. so i think our our trials kit isn't going to be not stagnant as such, but it won't see any massive leaps forward in the next few years. Uh, we'd be sort of rejigging similar stuff like what Ali C's doing with the suspension fork, you know, like trying slightly different things. Yeah. Well, Clean obviously did that sort of very unique all in one. That's a yeah. whole new approach. And I didn't expect to see yeah. anything like that this soon on, as you, as you were mentioning, but they've no, clearly but been working been, on that for a long time. Yeah, exactly. That would have probably been conceived two years ago. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. get the mold made couple of prototypes test them oh that one broke there we'll change the layup a little bit put a bit more carbon on that bend test the second prototype mm. then there might be like a 120 day production time for a batch so that that sort of thing behind the scenes is probably taking two years to get to get to market um so it might be two years again before we see new products simply because everyone's got to catch up with yeah. orders yeah and then they can go out we've actually got a little bit of free time now to start prototyping testing and developing new stuff I know that it has been because um, Scorpio will do, they'll they'll do a custom frame for you. As you just mentioned, you can email them and say, this is the geometry I want, like so on. Right. So you pay for that sort of service. Yeah. But they've stopped that, exactly what you've said. Yeah, you cannot do that anymore. On their bread and they're stuff. now, uh, their, their factory is full-blown making GT, Mongoose, you know, all those types of frames. Yeah. And they aren't doing exactly that because mm -hmm. they, it's not about the money. It's actually about the time. 
Mm. They, they, they don't have the time to work on a unique frame for somebody, uh, well, for they've one got keep, person. Yeah, they've got to, the, yeah, they've got do to the bread off. and butter stuff. Yeah, they've got to, to bang to them out. Going. So um, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, Adam. Sadly, it might be a while till we see any uh, progression, well, progression or anything new, like we said, apart from the new clean bar and stem, which has been worked on for, for quite but a while. But it's fine, because in that time, what will happen is the, the trials seem to have a bit of a resurgence. We'll get more riders out, and that will create more of a demand. Yes. So it will encourage these. Absolutely. There is already, there's already more demand. There's, people, there's more videos coming up than ever, I feel. like People are making yeah. more stuff. There's more chit-chat and discussion than ever, because now people just stick us on in our car and get it that way. And um, it's, uh, it's really... Becoming the year for trials, I, I like to think. We'll yeah, see. I think it is. I mean, there's like more people, you know, into trials again, whether it's new or older riders. We've got this community with like what with like what you're doing with the with the podcast, and then obviously Ian Johnson's doing his trial track thing. Yeah, really cool, you know, and getting guests on and yeah, looking through the techie side of stuff, and it's almost like it feels with the weather and the light as well. You know, we will be able to go out for a ride after work. Woo-hoo, be great, you know. Um, and it feels like it's sort of coming, coming good at the wrong time for the quiet parts. But you know, <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of trials bikes sat in chairs doing not a lot, which is cool. And then, you know, and the hand prices are great at the moment. You know, it's a really good market for if you've got some used stuff and a really, really good time to, to sell it and get it, get it used by somebody else. So I'm like, I'm hoping that now we've hit the tipping point where retro parts are actually going up in value a little bit as well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to some, yeah. well, to some people, you know, it's a unique frame and be like, well, there aren't any more of this. I'm willing to pay good money for it. Well, the coloured rims as an example, all that sort of stuff. Right? Like they've all been yeah. bashed, broken. And it's like, if you've got, uh, that'd be amazing to have some of that stuff yeah. now. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't it's know. like a fifteen-year cycle. I think you know. It, it, honestly, we've had people like, I'm just restoring this old Monty. Have you got this part from 1996 or whatever? And you know, people are, are this, I pull the adamant out of the shed, and I can really do with an adamant rear sprocket. You know, <laughs> yeah. This hope, and it's like, yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I can't believe how many parts have actually come up. Just, just I mean, how small was, the sport was. It's just so many things made for it. Like I so think, many. I was seeing on that retro bike, bike trail page on Instagram. Someone's like built up a custom cannondale that's like exactly the spec that it was i can't remember who's cannondale yeah. was. i don't know if you've seen this adam but it's... is it the blue and yellow one the ashton one yeah, yeah. it's so like, it's like a sax yellow grip shifter and a, a dcd yeah. on it and like yeah. <laughs> all the cranks and all oh, man yeah Amazing. super original sort of thing you know um it's hard to find that stuff as well so it's yeah i mean yeah i'm wondering uh, a trolls museum doesn't exist yet and i keep saying this to tom i'm like we need someone who's willing to front some space to create a trials <laughs> museum. Um, you know, they've got maybe some spare warehouse space to create the very first museum. <laughs> I don't oh, know. It's, it's kind of like getting to the point where there's enough interest in it and there's enough stuff that's old enough to be in a museum, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and know, if like... it's laid out nicely and you say, oh, by the way, there's also a ride afterwards. Like, you know, <laughs> it might be quite a cool little day out. You know, some people would get into that. <laughs> Interesting, interesting idea that yeah yeah it's because it's growing got... to that point where you know if this part's more than 20 years old it's considered a classic right 25 years yeah it's a bit, yeah, bit, it's... bit of a classic part so i don't know what they do with motorbike trials but yeah there's a, obviously a big following of classic motorbikes isn't there both yeah. trials and road racing and all sorts of stuff but we've got i've got some old school stuff like when we took over importing monty from rathmel's mm. martin rathmel michael rathmel or mrs they might have been known as yeah and um, we've got basically we just took everything and anything that was modern enough to be compatible with modern bikes, we sold. 
but there's a lot of stuff that isn't that's just sat on a shelf um, or some shelves doing that a lot. So that will be the start of the uh, yeah the museum. The museum, thing. some really old, you know, get it down. This hasn't been touched in 20 years. Don't touch it; it will disintegrate. And it's like all that <laughs> stuff. No, it's all old school. Like they want to steal it. So it's like not disintegrating anytime soon. <laughs> So before we wrap this up, we've got to go through our usual quick fire round questions. Yeah. And the, the big question that comes up on this uh, podcast of the same name. Uh, so firstly, if you was to be riding anywhere, Adam, we've just given you a bike or you go out riding on your Monty M5, where would you want to go and ride? What Anywhere in the world? Oh, two choices. Yeah. One is Shipley Glen, because I just love it there. Um, we still really need to go. Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah, it's it's basically the rock. There's almost two sets of rock. So on the top, it's quite flat and plateauy, and there's some solid rock slabs. So you have got run ups and stuff. Yeah. And it's like it's really quite harsh sandstony sort of rock. So it's really grippy in all conditions. Then if you drop off into the woods, it's quite steep and slimy and techy. So whether you're like feeling good or or you just want to have a bit of a chill play, that's like an, an ideal spot. The one I when I was living. Um, back at home so this is a while back um i used to ride at hisha and morecambe quite a lot down on the seafront mm-hmm. and you get some amazing sunsets there it's, it's right on the west coast so um you can ride like hisha rocks i used to go every night after work um so i work, work on target in the day take the yeah. parcels to the post office down the road in the in the like five o'clock at night and then go ride after work oh that's good it didn't suck the life out of your trolls you know well i can imagine you know selling parts all the time and then wanting to go on your bike i'm so exhausted but that's good no, yeah that is good. yeah that, that was like an awesome time and mm. riding there is a lot of fun. It's natural sea, sea rocks again, um, but just the uh, tranquility and the, uh, it's just, yeah, beautiful, really nice, really good fun. And uh, uh, who would you be, who would you be riding with then if you had a choice right now? Who's inspired you to get out or who's riding with you? Oh, that's a tough call. Yeah, he's like, I've got so, so many names. So many people have like, ridden with so many names from over the years, like, I think the, the lads that I used to ride with back in the day was like all banter boss, like you were saying before, you know, it's all about the missing <laughs> about. So like Joe, I used to ride with we, we, when we were, oh, it must have been like just about 18 and we had like both of that orange zeros. Yeah. Like, like, like Steve's like we used to ride every weekend. You turn up, you turn up at Morecambe at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday, ride for like four hours, buy 12, 12 jam donuts from Morrison's for lunch and then ride another five hours until it was yeah. dark. You know, Unlimited power, like yeah, just <laughs> and like unlimited. Your body could take as much sugar <laughs> yeah. as you wanted. Yeah, it? it's unreal. So like, I was such a good laugh with Joe, and then um a lot of the lads from work, like Stan and Cap and, and Alex, rode a lot with those guys. You know, all over the all over the place after yeah. work and weekends and stuff. And just watching like someone like Ali ride is unreal. Like it, it doesn't come across in the videos quite the same. You know. Um, yeah, you. I mean, you've known him for a very, very long time, so that you have a much more better understanding, I think, of his progression and then the way that he's turned into the rider that he is. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah um, not, but then also like the, the Scouser lads that we used to ride with quite a lot, so Bongo and John Lamong and Anal. Those names, I feel like I've heard them before. Bongo coming yeah. in. Bongo, on, yeah, um, and then the Bongo and then, just yesterday bought an inspired arcade actually off. Um, off the lab from from the forum. Yeah. Um, there we go. Into it again. Yeah. yeah, and the forum is still alive as well. I see you. Um, I think 
that was the first time I saw you had noticed our podcast, Adam, because you commented on the forum. I'm like, we've made it, guys. We're there. <laughs> we made it. You guys, we exist. Just a guy, like you said. Everyone, everyone's just a guy, you know, who likes bikes. That's what it's all about. Yeah. But, uh, honestly, like, really, the videos come across so well. It's like literally I'd be in there, you know. A lot of the videos now, I think, are, for me, social media stuff is a little bit like short in terms of it's like one clip and that's that's cool and yeah. you scroll past it and you have a quick look and you carry on and then there's a really serious sort of heavily edited made to look pro and polished for a brand and they've always had a budget put it or what have you but then there's the real i'm just going out from my mates for a laugh and the bikes is the catalyst for that and yeah. it makes you feel like you were there and you want to go and do it again and that's it's awesome to see a couple of long videos that you've put recently you know it's it's that's, awesome thanks, really like thanks man yeah. it does mean a lot um it is time and tom is really good with his editing too it's sort of everyone yeah. sort of pulls, pulls their weight and films on the day like yeah we just leave the, the cameras out and we're like look everyone if you want to get in this video just film Please. some stuff yeah i'm like yeah. go and help yourself to the camera go and film it um, no one's safe from a bail, you know, like in the recent one, you know, like Charlie, yeah. like bailing but and going it's, for it. It's more of the thing that I, we look at it like, it's great. I, don't get me wrong. I like the short clips. I know Flip's been doing some really great stuff yeah. and, that, and that's really nice. You know, like I call it, um, um, Charles Tapas is what I call it. Nice. Because <laughs> it's basically, he, he does the t-shirts done with like little balls. Oh and like a video, my goodness like a me. What an idea. So yeah, obviously Flip's really doing awesome. the yeah. kind of the tapas kind of stuff and you're like, oh, a little bite here, a little bite there. Yeah. But um, we're sort of running for, right guys, we've got dinner. You share it on your TV and you watch it for 20 <laughs> minutes. It's not what you put on your phone. We're creating content that is like an episode that you'd watch every week. You put it on the TV and people were sharing that with us. They're like putting on our story and going, oh, yeah, it's on my TV. Look at this. So it seems to Probably. be, yeah, sort of working in, in that sense. So thanks, mate. It really it does mean a lot. Nah, it's, it's, it's all, I, honestly, it's really, really cool to see that I've always liked the group rides thing that, that is like back in the day for me at uni you know you go to like a nottingham street ride and there'd be like 30 riders there yeah and the atmosphere is amazing and you want to make a video and it's just yeah. all, all the talking about as well and all the stuff in between that's not the riding that makes it and to see that in the video is it's just like real basically and a lot of, a lot of the world at the moment isn't real is it you know it's all fakery and you're shown the best version of this and the polished yeah. version of that what trials as well as the actual moves like trials is this fun silly group of people having a laugh yeah and uh, and I'm, I'm glad that we're we're doing just that <laughs> yeah that's what it's all about isn't it yeah. so to finish up our not so quick fire round we've never done we've never <laughs> done, never done a quick. quick fire round yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so you, you are with the original group of guys you want to ride with you might be at shipley get glenn what is the one move that you would be doing that just feels so good and i've written a prediction here we'll see what he's yeah i was yeah. gonna say that too yeah. so we're really? gonna see what he yeah, says yeah, yeah. the frenchie or the batman yeah! Hey, we wrote it. <laughs> you were again. You were one of the Joe Seddon and Big Man and yourself when I was younger were the first people I saw do like a, a Frenchie essentially. So uh, that's when I was like, the "Hell, is Adam's front brake broken?" <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we guess it right. Absolutely incredible. There is one more thing we do need to ask, which is also very important. Um, okay. Let's see what he says. Who do you want to see? on the shindig podcast adam you can call them out you know because this helps us too because then i i contact them and say this person said this i'm gonna go way back mm -hmm. to like when there wasn't any internet and you had to go to wh smith's magazine every month get your trials fix yeah 
Martin Ashton, surely. Like, he's oh, like, oh, next <laughs> week. He said it now. So Adam has just called it out. Martin Ashton. I think we can say it now. Next he is week. officially confirmed. Next. Is, so I mean, everyone's listening to this now. When this finishes, your content for next week will be Martin Ashton. Samuel, amazing. So, mate, yeah, he's he's coming on. Um, we're so excited that you you said that because we know we're going in the right direction. Brilliant, wicked. Uh, anything mate, else you want to add to just kind of round this off? Your message for the trials community. Thanks, basically, for like reporting us. I know it kind of yeah. works both ways a little bit, um, but. Yeah, it's it's cool to still be involved with yeah. a load of really nice people such a long time down the road. And Ty um, wouldn't be where it is now without those customers, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, not. And I, I like to think that hopefully we were just we we're discussing this the other day. Actually, this is going to get a bit long-winded again, but That's right. we spend quite a lot of time processing really, really tiny orders for like a pound, two pounds, stuff like that, and it, it it costs us to process that order because of the other yeah. the other yeah. of the business, but. A bike can be completely rendered completely useless by a little one or two pound part. Yeah, yeah. I've really thought about it like that before. So very it's true. nice yeah, to come to us to buy that stuff, but it's also nice to be able to keep bikes working um, and people are riding. So yeah, it might be that particular part is a lo- of low value. However, the value of that part to the customer is ex- exponential because yeah. they can ride their bike. So yeah, like a, a split link in a chain or a, a, an O ring seal from a girl brake lever. You know, yeah. you just can't ride the bike without those things. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, I like to hope you think, I mean, a lot of these things are very cyclical, you know, in terms of like, say, skateboarding, it will have a phase, it'll be massive, and then it'll die out for like five, ten years or quieten down a bit. You still get the dieharders. Yeah, well, that's with a diehard. Yeah, with a diehard. (laughs) (laughs) Not skateboarding, but in trials riding. Um, And yeah, you know, that maybe there will be a huge resurgence. Maybe once, you know, a lot of people I'm I'm sure aren't coming out because of obviously current lockdown restrictions. So once the summer, once it's all blown over, Fingers crossed, we'll, we'll see more and more trials riders out. Yeah, man. This is Definitely. what I can't wait cool. for. And if you aren't already, make sure you head to the Tarty Bikes Instagram and give them a follow for some all new content from the riders, new products, all, all the latest in trials, really. If you're not following Tarty yeah. Bikes, you should be. Um, thanks again, uh, Mr. Adam Reed, everybody. We have been the Shindig Podcast. I'm Matt Pengelly. I'm Tom Hutley. And thanks for listening. Uh, you can get us every Friday uh, on all podcast platforms and YouTube. Brilliant. Thanks again, Adam. Take care, mate. And Thank we'll you, Thank catch you, up with you very soon. Okay, see you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Mate, boy. Ah, you f-